All right, everybody doing good today? Man, it's a, it's a good day, good worship, good team. Uh, man, they did an incredible job, and so uh, I'm glad you guys are here. And uh, we have been in a series uh, uh, asking big questions. Last week we talked about was the, was the Bible reliable? And uh, hopefully you guys were able to, uh, to see that the, the, the data's there, the research is there, uh, the proof is there that the Bible is reliable. It is the Word of God, and Jesus is who He says He is. And uh, so it's uh, pretty exciting to be able to look uh, at that. And uh, to me, that's a foundation. We go, you know what? All right, God's Word is truth, so we can look into it for answers, and we can look into it for direction as well. And so, uh, man, thank you guys for being here. If you're joining us online, we're so glad you guys are a part of the service. Uh, even, and I just want to say this, the last couple of weeks, we've had multiple people that have put their faith in Christ for salvation that watch online. So y'all give it up for them and uh, for those that have made that profession of faith. And so we've got quite a few people that are going to be baptized in the next few weeks. Actually, we've got some baptisms that will take place in the next service. And uh, so if you guys have made a decision, I want to encourage you to take that step of obedience and follow Christ in believers' baptism. It is a celebration. That's what it is. It's a big deal. So today, we're going to look at our second question. And this is one that's been asked by a lot of people for a long time. Why do bad things happen to good people? And, um, and there may be some of you here in the room, you've asked this question. You know, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And, uh, and there's, a, you know, there's a lot of times that question is asked. And I don't even know if we can really answer it completely today. I can't. But I know that God's Word will speak to it. And, um, and, and so there's some things that we're going through. We don't understand why we're going through them. And there are things that other people are going through that we don't understand how, you know, why are, you know, why are those things happening? Why are they going through that? And, uh, you know, another one that kind of goes along with this, this question oftentimes is why do the good die young? And really that's just a song. I don't know if y'all know that, but that's just a song that Billy Joel did trying to get a young girl to do what he wanted her to do, you know, uh, that is not God honoring. I'll just put it that way. And so we often will take a song and we'll go, you know, that, that song says this. And we oftentimes really don't listen to the lyrics. We listen to the chorus maybe or something like that. And, uh, or we like the beat of it. And all of a sudden we go, hey, man, that's a great song. And no, it's not. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so there's plenty of those out there. So Billy Joel is say, hey, why do the good die young? A lot of people say, well, why do the good die young? Like he's some kind of prophet or something. And he's not. And so what happens is God has our days numbered. Every one of us. And it's not that the good die young, everybody will breathe, breathe their last at some point, right? And so we'll all come to that point of breathing our last. And some may be young, some may be old. It doesn't matter if they're good, bad, or whatever. But the thing is, is God has already you know, numbered our days. He knows everything about us. And so he has a plan and a purpose for our life. Whether it's long in our terms or short in our terms, God knows what he's doing. And so I want us to kind of unpack this a little bit today, why to... Bad things happen to good people. Number one, I would say this, we live in a broken world. I think it's good for us to be reminded of that, that we live in a broken world. And uh, that goes back to Genesis. You go back to Eve and Adam in the garden, whenever they sinned, they brought, if you will, curse upon the land. They brought curse upon us. They brought death. They brought, uh, uh, you know, there was some uh, consequences to their sin that affected all of mankind. And so we are of the line of, of, of Adam and so, therefore, we, we receive some of that. We're, we're all born into this world broken and in need of a Savior. You know, we're all sinners. We all need a Savior. And, and so, if we go back and we look, we live in a broken world. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know how many of you guys do gardening or anything like that. But if you ever go out there and work the land, or if you ever work a garden, you realize, you know, hey, it's work. And a lot of that goes back to the beginning of Scripture, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, where it talks about the fall of man. But God created everything. was really good. I mean, everything was perfect. It was like it's utopia, like it couldn't be any better. But yet sin, you know, whenever we bring it in, it literally messed up everything. And so the ground, you know how you're going to toil to work the ground. 
You know, we don't have to do, we don't have to do anything to get weeds to work, right? But man, to get food or to get anything else, man, it's, it's work, you know, and so we have to work the, the lamb. You know, women having uh, pain in childbirth, you know, that, uh, y'all can thank, y'all can thank the guys that started all that back in the beginning for that. But all of that is part of the consequences of sin. So we live in a broken world, and I think it's important for us to remember that that sin has affected everyone, everybody, everybody you know, it doesn't matter who it is, and so it, it is broken, uh, John 16, 33, Jesus told us this world was messed up. And he said, hey, you're going to have problems. He says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many what? Trials and sorrows. And so Jesus is talking to the, to the disciples, to the apostles. He's talking to the people. He said, hey, listen, man, you're going to have trials and sorrows. He says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so when we look at that passage, we go, all right, Jesus is telling everybody, he's preparing everybody, you're going to have trials and sorrows. And I think oftentimes what we believe, and maybe this is just our wishful thinking, we think, hey, well, man, if I get saved or if I give my life to Christ, then everything's going to be hunky-dory. It's going to be a bed of roses. I won't have any more issues. Everything will be taken care of because I'm a child of God, and God's not going to let anything happen to me that I don't want to happen. Does everybody, you know, everybody get that? I mean, sometimes I think we think like that. And I'm just telling you, man, when you put your faith in Christ, what you're doing is you're stepping into a battle zone. And we have to understand that. It's, it's not like, hey, everything's going to be okay, but I'll just tell you this, Jesus is going to be with me. He says, hey, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll never abandon us. He'll never disgrace us. And so he gives us that promise that he will be with us no matter what we're going through. And we will go through trials and sorrows. He promised that, right? He told us, Jesus told us, hey, it, it's going to be tough. I mean, he's telling his disciples, hey, listen, I just want you to know what it's going to be like. And they often struggle to understand with clarity what he meant but, you know, whenever he tells him, hey, listen, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to die, but I'll rise again. They're like, wait a minute, I don't, I don't, I don't get this. And, and him telling them that, they didn't understand, but later they would understand completely. They would see the power of the resurrection. And then all of a sudden, they're filled with the Spirit. Man, that they have this power and this authority. They'll go stand in front of anybody. Peter, who would deny him because a little girl was calling him out and literally hide you know, his, his uh, knowledge or his relationship with Jesus would stand before anybody and everybody, and he didn't care, and he would proclaim the good news because the power of God was at work in him. The power of the resurrection was at work in him. And so we know that, you know what, God is with us, and yet Peter li- literally later would lose his life because of the gospel. But yet, man, he, he was like, hey, listen, I don't feel worthy to be uh, crucified the way that Jesus was. You can crucify me upside down. But he was willing to stand firm for what he believed. And so when we look back, we've got to understand that Jesus told us it would be tough. And so I would say that to anybody and everybody that's watching, you think, hey, listen, if I just get saved, everything's going to be all right. It will be okay. You're in a right relationship with the Holy God. You have been, you know, you have been made new. You're a new creation. But there are still consequences and stuff, and there are things that we have to deal with, and this world is broken. And the consequences of that sin has affected this world. And we have to kind of get our mind around that. So Jesus told us. It would be broken. If you ever want to read about Jesus kind of preparing the disciples, go back and read chapters uh, 13 through 17 of John. And these are Jesus' final words of reassurance. He's given reassurance. He's given comfort and encouragement to his disciples in the upper room before his betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. He's about to deal with some tough stuff, right? He knows what he's going through. He's preparing them, but he's giving them assurance. And he tells us in in verse 16 that he goes, hey, listen, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But... Listen, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I'll be with you. I'll walk with you. I'll carry you through this. And so I think that'd be a good place to go and spend some time. 
In Romans, it says when Adam sinned, sin entered the world, and Adam sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. All of us have fallen short. We've all missed it by a mile. So because of that sin that is in, in, in my veins and in your veins, because we're part of the line of Adam, man, we needed a Savior. We needed someone that could redeem us, that we could be born again. But the thing is, we have to acknowledge that we're a sinner. The most important step for anybody sometimes is acknowledging who we are and what we need. And so for me, at the age of 19, realizing, you know what, man, I needed a Savior. I needed, I needed to be saved. I needed to be born again. I needed to be reborn. And so like, you know, for an alcoholic, realizing for the first time, you know what, hey, man, I've got a problem. For a drug addict, I've got a problem. For, you know, someone who abuses, I've got a problem. You know, for an anger issue, I've got a problem. It's when we finally realize, hey, you know what, there's a need. I'm, I'm who I, 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 this is who I am right now. This is not who I want to be. That's the best place to be sometimes because you, then you realize, you know what, something's got to change. Something's got to give. You know, I've shared with you guys before, my dad was an alcoholic. And I can remember growing up, you know, oftentimes hearing uh, my dad say he could quit anytime he wanted to. But he never could. And I can remember it's the age of about 63. Uh, he had had alcohol poisoning. He was in the hospital and I walked in, and I, I wrote him a letter. It was kind of a tough love letter, and I gave it to him. I said, and it was pretty much, hey, listen, if you don't do something, I'm done. And it was kind of a hard letter for me to write, but it was the truth. And he read that letter, and he looked at me, and for the first time in his life, he said, you know what, I've got a problem. And I'm just telling you, whenever we realize, you know what, man, I've got a problem. I need help. I need a Savior. I need to be redeemed. I need to be changed. I, mean, I can't keep living this way. That's a good place to be. And so oftentimes, you know, we ask these questions, but we go, you know what, we've got to understand that this world is broken, man, and we need God to work inside of us and to work in us and work through us. And so when we look back at this, we know that, you know what, hey, man, we've all sinned. Everybody's sinned. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. And so it's good for us to get our mind around that. Jesus has overcome the world. That's the promise that Jesus also gives us. It's going to be tough, but man, you know, I have overcome the world. And he conquers all that, sin, death, and the grave. We don't have to live as a slave to sin. Now, you, you might say, well, Mike, you know, you know, this is just an ongoing struggle. It may be a stronghold in your life. It may be a besetting sin, if some would call it. But the thing is, is it can be overcome by the, by the power of God, by prayer, by fasting. There are some things that God has to do some extra work in or we have to be willing to submit to. God, God do some spiritual surgery on me. I, need, I want to be set free from this. But we have to realize it's an issue. We have to admit that, you know what, I'm broken. I need that. And so Jesus has overcome the world. So here, and I want to, this next one, I want to just kind of preface this. Because I, I know there are people, and we were praying back in the back just a few minutes ago. I know there are people that are here today that have experienced some things that you would say are bad things. You go, you know what, hey, it's not my fault. And, um, and, and that's probably, that, that is true. There are people that have been abused physically sexually you know verbally in so many ways there are people that have had things happen to them that it's not your fault it was someone else's sin that you were you were on the receiving end of that and and so I, I just want you guys to understand I hear that and I, I know what you're saying but the thing is is this world is broken and there are people that are caught up in sin there are people that do things that you go why in the world that's just pure evil and yes it is and, and but here's the thing God will God will work even in the midst of the worst thing you've ever been through no matter what it is, whether it's abuse, whether it, what it, whatever it might be, you go, you know what, God can work in that. I hear so many stories and testimonies of people that have gone through some of the most horrific things you can imagine. And they come out on the other side talking about God's grace and God's peace and how God got them through that. And how God wants to use them to tell other people how they can, they can literally make it, how they can be set free, how they can be healed. 
There's so many people that sit in churches every week that go, you know, they've got wounds from their past, from their childhood, that they go, you know what, I keep dealing with this. But you've got to be willing to say, God, I want you to heal me. And God will heal those wounds. He will heal that brokenness. And it can, it can weigh on us over and over. And those memories are hard. And there's things that trigger those things. And, and you go, you know what, I'll never be set free of this. That's the enemy lying to you. You can be set free. You can, be, you can overcome that. And so, but there are some where I would say this. Maybe you brought it on yourself. There's some things that happen in our lives that we go, uh, you know, why is this happening to me? You know, and it's, it's kind of like someone who, you know, smokes a ton of cigarettes and they go, why have I got lung cancer? You know what I mean? We go, well, there's some reasons there, buddy. You know, or, you know, maybe there's some things that happen that uh, we, we go, I don't understand. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're drinking and driving, you get, a, you get a ticket for a DUI and you go, why is this happening to me? Well, there's a reason, you know what I'm saying? And, and so we've got to be willing to take ownership of those things. But oftentimes we don't want to really take ownership it's always someone else's fault and if you're one of those where it's always someone else's fault number one that's a problem we have to be willing to take ownership and responsibility for what ours don't always point fingers at somebody else and blame them well if they hadn't have done this i wouldn't have done this you had a choice and so we have choices to make but god is you know god is a just god and god does not back down on what he says uh he will do it says don't be misled you cannot mock the justice of god you will always harvest what you plant so for a lot of people, maybe this time of the year, they're planting gardens. Maybe you, some of you guys are doing that, you know, and you plant certain seeds and you expect certain things to grow out of those seeds. So if you sow, you know, say you plant watermelon seeds, you expect watermelons to grow, right? You plant cantaloupe, you expect cantaloupe or whatever. And so you're planting these seeds, expecting something. And here's the thing, in life, oftentimes what we do is we plant things in our life and we hope that, it's, you know, it's going to be something different. It's not. And so God's word is pretty clear. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from, what, from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. What a great promise. And so if I'm feeding the flesh, if you're feeding the flesh, then I can only expect, you know what, that I'm going to deal with fleshly issues and I'm going to be, if I'm entertaining sin or I'm engaged in sin, then God has made it clear that He's not going to tolerate that. He is a holy God. We cannot forget that. He is a holy God who does not like sin. He hates it. But yet we oftentimes, we want a little bit of sin and we want God. Or sometimes it's, hey, we want a little bit of God, but we want a lot of sin. We want to fit in. We want to do what the world does. And sometimes it is just, it's literally in conflict to God's word. But we want to say, hey, man, I want to know that I'm going to heaven. I want to know that I'm right with God, but I still want all this other stuff. And we got to be able to say, God, you know, I want what you want. And it's not that God says, hey, listen, if you, if, if you choose me, you won't have anything. He says, man, he'll throw up the throw open the, the floodgates of heaven, man, and bless you with so much stuff, you won't even know what to do with it. And most of us, if we were to look around, we would go, man, I am blessed. I've got so much. We've got, we got families. We've got food. We've got shelter. We've got vehicles. We've got freedom. We've got so much. Man, God has blessed us. And we need to lean into that and go, you know, God, thank you for blessing me. But he does make it very clear that, you know what, he will not tolerate sin. He will deal with it. And it's, it's a God who loves us, who does not want us to continue down that path if we live sinful lives we will reap the consequences of that so what we sow is what we reap so what we sow is what we reap and so we've got to be willing to say god you know i, I want to i want to sow into the things sow things in this life that that reap eternal life the things of the spirit i want to love people the way you love them i want to serve people the way you serve them i want to i want to i want to i want to care for people 
I, I want to see them the way that you see them. I don't see them with color or socioeconomic backgrounds or maybe even the fact they're a different religion, but we love them. We love them the way that Christ would have loved them because he's our model, right? We go, you know what, God, help me to see people. And so oftentimes what we do is we watch the media or we get around certain people and they will begin to plant things in our mind and we'll begin to think like they think rather than the way that God thinks. And God said, hey, listen, I love those people. I mean, Jesus would tell us to love our enemies. I know we got a lot of military guys and families in here, and that's a tough one to swallow, but you go, man, man, I don't know about that, but you got to love them and pray that their souls would be changed their, and their minds would be changed, their hearts would be changed, and their souls would be saved for our enemies. That's crazy, right? I mean, these are the people that are trying to take us out. We're praying for them. That's how, that's how radical Jesus' teaching was. But he said, hey, listen, man, you, you got to be different. But if we continue to sow into the flesh, we'll reap that we often make choices that lead to hardship you know we we will do something that we know is wrong and then we wonder why we have to deal with the consequences of that if you push the envelope on certain things you're going to pay the price you know you you you, you can name whatever it might be but if you hey i'm just going to do you know and i i remember telling a story years ago oftentimes we just want just a little bit of sin right we just want to get we want to see how close we can get to the edge and so I remember years ago, uh, our boys were wanting to watch a movie, and it had, a, it had some language in it. I was like, we're not watching that. And they were like, well, it's just got a little bit of cussing. And I said, well, hey, what if I went out and I made some brownies, and I put just a little bit of dog poop in it? I said, would y'all eat it? And they're like, no. And I'm like, all right, it's the same thing. And they're like, like look at me, like, have you lost your mind? And, and, but the thing is, is that's kind of how we are. We want just a little bit of sin. We just want something, but the, a little bit contaminates the whole thing, right? And, and so... So we've got to be willing to say, you know, God, I, I don't want to make decisions that lead to hardship. I want to make decisions that lead to life. I want to make decisions that lead to, you know, to blessings. God, I want to be, I want to be a blessing to somebody. So we've got to have that mentality. And, and so we've got to say, God, you know, I want you to teach me. I want you to show me. And so maybe God is at work in us so that he can work through us. And I think this is a, a good one. Sometimes the things that we're going through are going to make us stronger. They're going to teach us. Uh, they're going to show us what is really important. Uh, we go through things and it's, it's Sometimes tough things, and oftentimes it's amazing how much clarity we get on what is really important in life. When you almost lose your life, it's all of a sudden like, hey man, relationships are more important than stuff. When you almost lose your life, it's like, you know what, I want to I be in a right relationship with my mom and dad or my brother or my sister or whatever, rather than having, continuing to maintain this strained relationship. It's all of a sudden, those things are more important. And so we, it's incredible the clarity we get whenever something happens. Maybe it rattles our cage and we go, you know what, man, I don't want to keep living like this. I, I want to I be different. I want to be changed. And so maybe God is at work in us to, so that he can work through us. James tells us this and it says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come, in your, come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, joy is different from happiness. You know, happiness is one of those things that's kind of circumstantial. Joy is a choice. And so we're going through a tough time. And man, we have to choose joy. It's an opportunity anyway is what scripture says. It's an opportunity for joy. And so we're going through it and other people are watching because oftentimes people are watching. I had a buddy growing up, his dad was a pipe fitter at IP down in Mobile. And uh, he was a pastor and he said, man, he would be in there and they'd be working with things and he would mash his finger and he would just grab his thumb. And he says, like everybody in there is like the old saying, E.F. Hutton, everybody would watch him to see how he was going to respond. And he'd say, Lord, thank you. I only hit one of them, you know, and that was just his mentality. And um, so he chose to have joy because he knew these guys are looking to see how's the preacher going to respond? What's he going to do? What's he going to say? And, and so oftentimes we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to see this as an opportunity to choose joy because there are people watching to see what I'm going through, how I'm going to respond. 
Is my faith real? Do I really believe that Jesus has not left me and he hasn't forsaken me? Do I believe this to be truth? Since for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. You know, most of us know that whenever we, you know, we exercise or we work out, we're kind of making our body work a little bit harder. And what it does is it, it causes us to, it enhances us. You know, it causes our strength to grow, our endurance to grow, whatever. And that's what he's saying. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. We, we shouldn't always want to be in a bubble where there's no challenges. We ought, we ought to say, hey, listen, God, I want you to use me. And God, if it means me going through a tough time, I'm okay with that. I choose that because it's going to make my faith grow stronger, deeper, and I want to honor you. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be made perfect, be perfect and complete, needing nothing. What that means is maturity. That's what that uh, passage really is talking about, is you'll be mature. In other words, you'll know, I mean, that's just life. There are times that people go through stuff, and I want to say, dude, that's just life. I mean, that's, that's part of what we go through living in this world. And uh, it's woe is me, poor on me, or whatever. And I'm like, I want to say, suck it up, buttercup. I mean, that's life. That's your part of it, right? I mean, there are things that we deal with that are part of this broken world, you know, and it's not going to get any better until Jesus comes back. You know, now we can make it better by how we live and live out our faith and share and care and walk with people through life. We can do that. But we've got to understand that, you know what, man, God is at work in us. If you need wisdom, ask for, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So I love that, that Jesus, I mean, the, the word is saying here, hey, listen, it's okay to ask. Ask God. If we look back in the passages of the Old Testament, we see over and over, you know, God, how much longer will you let this go on? God, how much longer will you cause this to happen? God, how much longer? So we can ask questions and we can ask God for wisdom. We can ask God for guidance. We can ask God to put people in our life. I, I ask God all the time to put people in people's lives that will influence them. You know, the other night I, I, was, I was sharing with uh, our staff this past week. One of the things that I loved about the crawfish bowl that we had was I saw guys from our church that had invited guys that I know that do not go to church anywhere. You know what I love? Is they were, they were seeing it as an opportunity to influence these men and to bring them to, you know, it's kind of like beggars who have found food to come and hear about the, the, where the food's at. And, and so I love the fact that these guys went and invited men who do not go to church anywhere to come and be a part of what we were doing. To me, that's part of our mission. That's what we're about. We want to reach the unchurched, the unsaved. We're not trying to suck people out of other churches. We want to reach those that don't know Christ, right? That's what we're about. And, and so, but I love this. Is if, if you need wisdom, ask, and he will give it to you. It, uh, he will not rebuke you for asking. So ask God. God, show me what you want me to do. God, give me wisdom. Give me guidance. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. You know, and so this one goes back to it's about faith, right? Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and, and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and what? The world. So when it's, hey, just a little bit of God and a whole lot of world, it's got to be, man, all in. Faith alone is in, in, in God alone, in Christ, and what God is doing through him. And they are unstable in everything they do. If, it's, if we're trying to, you know, live for the world and live for God a little bit, I'm just telling you, man, people look at that and go, I don't want that. That's why they say, hey, that's a hypocrite. That's somebody that I really don't want to be like, or maybe I don't even want to be around. And they go, you know, they're no different than I am. And so God is preparing us for something bigger, I believe. I think at times when we're going through tough times, God is preparing us for something bigger. And maybe it is to share our faith. Maybe it is to, you know, to walk with someone else who is going to go through this. And maybe they're going to have to deal with some questions. And, you, you know, you go, you know what, I have been there. I've walked ahead of you. One of the things I love is whenever we're able to walk with someone you know, through something that we've been through. 
Uh, last night we had a, had a cool opportunity. We were at a, a gathering and there was this young lady who was so hungry for the word of God and she was asking me questions and we're sitting there talking and, um, and anyway, she goes, you know, I, I need to be baptized. And I was like, well, cool. I said, well, tell me about your salvation. So we, we wanted to nail down her salvation. We talked about that. And we're just sitting there eating, you know, and she's talking about it. And she's so hungry for God right now. I'm like, and Lori and I were going like, how awesome is that just to see her hunger? And I said, what you need is you need a lady that can walk with you, that can disciple you, that can pour into you. And, uh, and anyway, so we're kind of answering questions. And I said, I said, hey, we're baptizing tomorrow. I said, why don't you come and get baptized tomorrow? She goes, I want to move to Prattville so I can go to that church. I said, you don't have to move to Prattville to come to the church. I said, you can drive, you know. I said, but you can get baptized tomorrow if you want to. So she's getting baptized in the second service. Is that not cool? That's awesome. So here's what I would say. God was doing something in her life, and they were talking about some of the physical things their, fam- their, their, their marriage has gone through that they had to work through and, you know, that kind of scared them a little bit. But here's the thing. God was doing something bigger. God's doing something bigger, and so God is at work in us. And so oftentimes when we're going through our toughest challenges, he's strengthening us, he's growing us, and he's going to allow us to help walk someone else through that. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, use me. I just want to be your vessel. So maybe we need to see that we can make it through this challenge. Uh, I, you know, I hear people all the time. I saw where a buddy of mine posted that he had ran in a half marathon yesterday. I'm thinking, man, there's no way I could do that. You know, I mean, I'm just telling you. That would be hauling me on an ambulance or something like that. But I see people that will do half marathons or full marathons, and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I could do that. And here's the thing. I won't ever know probably because I probably won't ever try, just being straight up with you. Uh, but the thing is, there are some things that we need to see. Can we make it through it? We need to see that we can. Does that make sense? And, you know, and if, and if, we're, always, if we're always coddling our kids and we don't let them struggle on some things, I'm just telling parents this, you won't ever let them experience their potential. If you're always coddling them, protecting them, and not letting them deal with some heartaches and deal with some hardships and, and really have to do some things that are outside of their comfort zone, you're robbing them of what they could be. And so I think, it's, I think that sometimes we need to see that, you know what, I can make it through this. I can, I can, we don't need mom and dad jumping in, fixing everything. We need the kid, you know, struggling, working through it, understanding who they are in Christ. And I think it's good for us to go through challenges sometimes because we say, you know what, God, God is at work in this and I've got this. And let me just say this. We talk about, you know, bad things happening to good people. There's never been anyone as good as Jesus. Would you all agree with that? There's never been anyone as good as Jesus. Never will be. And, and so I, I love this passage here. Look at what it says. It says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So whenever we, we look at this passage, we go, you know what? Jesus is the only good one. Now, I know a lot of people think, well, I'm a, I'm a pretty good person. No, you're not. It's not what Scripture says. If we go back to last week, we talked about how the Bible is reliable and true, right? It's accurate. It's, 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 a, it's, a, good, it's a good manuscript, it's a, or it's a good uh, uh, teaching. It's solid. It's biblically accurate. It's historically accurate. It lines up with the manuscript, so it's trustworthy and true. And so the thing is, is the Bible says that none of us are any good. So we always say, hey, we know, well, good things, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Because there aren't any really good people, to be honest with you. We're all broken sinners. And you might say, well, I'm, I'm not as bad as he is, or I'm not as bad as she is, or whatever. But here's the thing. In comparison to Jesus, you're not even close. And so he's the only good one. So if anything happened to somebody, something bad happened to somebody that was good, it was the cross. It was the cross of Christ. So the good, the best, was nailed to a cross for your sins and for my sins. And so if you wonder why, you know, bad things happen to good people is because God loved us so much he allowed bad things to happen to Jesus because he loved us so much 
And so when we look at that, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. So bad things happen to a good man, a great man, the perfect man, Jesus. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. He's raised to life by the power of God, the power of the Spirit. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were what? Still sinners, still bad, still broken, still needy. And so for every one of us, what we have to say is, you know, and, 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 and I would really, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. So God's plan isn't always clear to us. I think back to the disciples, right? The disciples, like, they didn't understand. They kept thinking, all right, he's going to, this is how Jesus is going to do it. This is how it's going to work out. And it's not always clear to us. It's not always clear to us. You know, it's like surrendering your life to Christ. I can remember, I can remember for myself going, all right, if I give my life to Christ, what am I going to have to give up? What's it going to cost me? And it wasn't that it cost me anything. It's what I got. I got everything. I, I, I gave up my sin. I confessed my sin, and he gave me grace. That's a pretty good exchange. He showed me mercy, right? And so whenever I, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to weigh it, and it's not as clear as I would like sometimes, but the thing is, is it's always best. And that's, that's what I would say here is God's plan is always best. The disciples did not think it was the best plan, but Jesus said, hey, this is the plan. And it's always best. It's always best. And so oftentimes I think we go, you know, God, it's probably best for me not to go through this challenge that I'm going through. And he's going, hey, listen, trust me. I'm at work here. And so it isn't clear sometimes why we're going through what we're going through, but God's plan is always best. It's always best. And so, so here we are. So none of us are really good. I think it's good for us to get our mind around that. None of us are really good. So the real question is not why do bad things happen to good people. The real question is why has God put up with this? Why has he put up with us? Why has God put up with me in my selfishness, in my sinfulness, in my greediness, or whatever it might be? Why is God? So that's the real question right here. Why would God continue to, to show mercy and grace to people that rebel against him, people that don't worship him like they should, people that don't follow his teachings. Why would God continue to show mercy? I mean, that's the real question. So why has God not already taken us out? Why has why he just said, hey, you know what, I'm done. I mean, I've done everything. And they still turn their back. I gave my, my best. I gave Jesus, my son, and they still turn their back. They still want the world over what I can offer them. So that's, that's the question. It's not why does God allow bad things to happen to good people because there's no good people. But what it, the question ought to be is, you know, why is God so long-suffering? Why is he so patient with us? It's because he loves us, man. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He's done, he's done all that he's going to do. He's waiting on you to respond to the gift that he's given. There's not, there's not, a, a, there's not another plan. It says once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. I love this. I love this. He's talking to the church at Ephesus there. He said, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. And he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, who is so rich in what? In mercy. See, that's, that's, that's the answer right there. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that, he even, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he, when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. That's the only reason. God's grace and his mercy. 
So I think the, the, the question, is, it just gets a little silly, you know, why do bad, thing, good, you know, bad things happen to good people? Because Jesus is with us, and I love this. Hopefully this will give you some encouragement. Because Jesus is with us, the best is yet to come. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, right? We're not, we've not been given a spirit, spirit of fear. But it says, instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. I love that. Last week, we talked about how reliable the truth of God's word is. And, you know, historically and through the manuscripts and, and through the miracles and even the prophecies. But th- this is one we talked about in our life group the other night. There's also the evidence that, you know what? How do I know that Jesus is real? Because he walks with me and he talks with me. You know, and he's, he's involved in my life and I feel his presence and I know that he's there. And so to me, that is the evidence. Here's the thing. I don't care who comes in and tries to disprove who God is and who Jesus is. They cannot disprove it to me but because I know that he lives within me, right? And so whenever we walk in that authority and we walk in that confidence and we walk in that faith, we go, you know what? I don't care who Trump comes and tries to disprove it. I know what I know and I know what I've experienced and I know that his presence is real. And so when I read that, it says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. How do you know that you're a child of God? Because the Spirit has, has confirmed it. You, you, you feel the, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. You feel the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. And man, if you, if you don't know that, you need to nail that down. You need to know, you know, I mean, I want to know without a shadow of a doubt. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We're co-heirs with Christ. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share His what? His suffering going to be tough times. Jesus already told us that, but he's overcome the world. I love this. Talked about the future glory. It says, yet we are, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory we will receive that will be revealed to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. There's the curse from sin. Even all creation groans and, 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 and man, it's just waiting for that moment. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. And we were given this hope when we were what? When we were saved. Man, what a promise. And so we do have hope. Man, we have hope that the tomb is empty. We have hope that, you know what, the power of the resurrection gives us power and freedom over death, decay. It gives us freedom over the grave, death, anything, even sin. We don't have to walk in that. We don't have to live that way. And so I love this, this passage, I love the promises that are there. I mean, we have hope. And no matter what we're going through, and maybe we are going through tough times because Jesus said we would, man, we have hope. We have hope. There are people that will breathe their last breath. That's part of life. That's, that's Scripture being fulfilled. You know, we, we're only given a certain number of days that we'll live anyway. So what will you do with the days you've been given? How will you live Will you live in a way to honor God? Will you live in a way to tell others about Him? Will you be His vessel? Will you be His hands? Will you be His feet? Will you be a messenger, an ambassador? Will you be the hands and feet of Christ in someone's life? Will you be the voice of love? 
Will you share with someone how they can be in right standing with a holy God? See, the real question is, why does God put up with us? Because he trusts us to be his messengers and to be his hands and his feet. I tell our staff all the time, it blows my mind that God trusts us. And he wants to use us. But he loves us. And he wants to work in us and through us. And so if you're here today and you're going through a tough time, I want to encourage you that God's not done. He's at work. And there's hope. And maybe you're today, even today, you're dealing with things that were done to you maybe a long time ago. And you go, Mike, I just need to be healed. That he is not done until it's good. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here today and you're going through a tough time and you just need prayer, would you just raise your hand? Just say, Mike, I'm going through a tough time. I just need prayer. Maybe it's something physical. Maybe it's something relational. Maybe it's something financial. Whatever it might be. I see hands all over the room. God's not done. He's at work. And maybe he's just saying, hey, listen, I just need you to trust me. Maybe you just need to hear, he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. He's at work. There may be some of you sitting here that you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. Well, maybe today is the day that you go, you know what? I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe he's the, he's the promised one. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he can change me. I believe he can save me. Maybe you're watching online and you go, you know what, man? I want Jesus. I'm a sinner. I am broken. And I need a Savior. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Say, Mike, that's me. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand. Say, Mike, that's me. I, I need Jesus. I need to be saved. Anybody? Looks like there's a lot of believers in the room. Are you living in a way that honors Him? Is the Holy Spirit bringing conviction today? Then trust God enough to respond the way the Holy Spirit's leading you. There may be some that are watching online. Maybe, maybe you're the one. You've never put your faith in Christ, but today you want to put your faith in Christ for salvation. I want to walk you through that. Maybe you're kind of weighing it out. You go, man, I don't know, Mike. I can't raise my hand right now. I want to, but I still got questions. That's okay. Keep asking. Keep seeking. You'll find him. But maybe you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, and you know that's your need, is to be saved. You know that you're a sinner, you know that you're broken, you know that you're messed up, and you know that you need someone to save you, to change you, and to transform you, to become more and more like Christ. And so right now, with all the faith that you have, just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you left heaven, you came here, you are the only good person. And I know that bad things were done to you on that cross for me. And I believe that you hung there for me and for my sins. And Jesus, I believe that you not only died, 
but I believe that you were resurrected, that you defeated death, you defeated the grave, you defeated sin, you defeated hell. And so Jesus, with all the faith that I have, I believe that. And so Jesus, I'm asking if you would, would you come into my life? Will you forgive me for my sins? And will you forgive me and teach me how I can walk with you? That's repentance. And his answer is yes. So if that is your prayer, that is your prayer. And you just prayed that prayer, then I just want to say welcome to the family of God. You just swapped your sin for his grace. You receive his mercy. In just a minute, the worship team's going to come and they're going to lead us through a song of response. And there's an opportunity for you to come down to the altar. You can pray. Some of our pastors will be here. Our prayer team will be here. They can pray for you. But sometimes it's just going down and getting on your knees at an altar and letting something go. And just maybe, maybe you're going through a tough time. A lot of people raise their hands going through a tough time. Maybe go down and you leave that at the altar. You say, God, I'm giving you this. I'm laying this down. I believe you and I trust you. If everybody would, just stand. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of people in this room and those online. And so God, today I pray, I pray that we would be willing to let go of whatever is holding us back from being fully engaged and fully committed to you. God, work in this room. And Father, let your Holy Spirit just literally reveal what, needs, what steps need to be taken. In Jesus' name, amen.